Hello and welcome to Loving Your Garden with me, Rod Whiting, group founder and our regular horticulturist, John Sterland. Evening, John. Good evening, Rod. <laughs> Autumn is with us, John. It's dark outside. I know I hate that weekend when we move. We cry a lack and put the clocks an hour back. I don't like it at all, but, um, you know, it's one of them things that we do. So, but we've still got the same number of hours in the day, haven't we? So, we um, we, we have. Uh, So, our guest this week is uh, a young fella that uh, John introduced to me at um, uh, the Beaver Castle Flower and Garden Show in the summer. It's a chap called Joe Bagley. Before we meet him in the flesh, as it were, let me thank our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lang Decorators. Right, let's meet our guest then. Joe, lovely to see you. Yes, I'm to you. Hello. You can hear and see me, can't you? We yes, can yes, we've yes. And your plants behind, yeah. Joe, uh, thank you for being with us this week. Lovely to see That's you. Okay. And uh, we met um, at the Beaver Castle Flower and Garden Show, didn't we, earlier in the yes. year? And uh, and John sort of pointed out that you're a bit of a whiz with uh, houseplants. And oh. maybe, tell us yeah. about your website and, and your background. How did you come to love mm. houseplants? Uh, yeah, so I got got into gardening on oh, houseplants and gardening uh, when I was about 12, 13 years old. Um, after, after primary school and secondary school, I always used to go to my grand, grandmother's afterwards because uh, my mum always used to work quite late. And she was a whiz at gardening and she had a few houseplants. It wasn't nowhere near as many as this, that's for sure. Uh, but the plants that she did have, she had for many, many years. So eventually i started getting a bit of interest in there and i remember she used to have a quite big spider plant had lots of little runners i call them spiderettes uh, but it's my <laughs> little name for them and people don't believe me that that's a real word but i'm sure it is if it isn't then it needs to be in the dictionary because it's a good mm. name uh, anyway so she had a few spiderettes and she said would you like one so as a you know, 12, 13 year old guy, I was like, yes, yes, can I have it now? Very, very, very impatient. And then you know, the conundrum came that I had to put it in water and just stare at it for about a month on top of the fridge. And it wasn't my fridge, it was grandma's fridge. I couldn't even take the whole thing home. Anyway, each week, you know, I saw the roots grow and I was actually very shocked that you could grow plants from cutting. Because, of course, a lot of the time in uh, primary school, you'll learn that you know, plants are grown from seed nothing else so it was a really big learning curve knowing that you can grow plants from little babies of course spider plants were a bit different because they have the stolons little bunnies um, but from then i ended up getting into lots of plants had like a venus fly trap every teenager's dream is, is having a, <laughs> and a kid yeah probably had this as well mm. hopefully having a venus fly trap weirdly enough my first attempt i had it for about two years which is unheard of for venus fly traps indoors because once you take them home look at it it's already half dead so it lasted two years i only killed it because i fertilized it and that was another big learning curve that they don't want to be fed they only get fed from the flies so yeah that's um how i got into it and then I went, I moved into opposite my grandmother's. So I basically live in the granny annex in the coach house, which is like a, a 1750s um, Edwardian slaughterhouse. It's not a very nice name, but it was then a coach house. So I call it the coach house because that name and that ideology of having a nice little horse in here is much better than having, you know, dying animals. A dead horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's still hooks. There's still hooks on the ceiling that we had to take down from where of course the animals would be mm. 
I hope there's no vegans or vegetarians. No, I'm very no. sorry. <laughs> uh, there's no more animals in here now. It's just a jungle for you. It's interesting you mentioned the spider plant. I guess that's for most of us. That's our introduction to to house plants, isn't it? Yeah, um, but, definitely. And, and and some of us perhaps don't progress much beyond that. Um, yeah. So, but the but the world is our oyster, isn't it? Now, because much as we've, I think we've really started to embrace gardening as a nation. Um, that sort of indoor space during the winter months is is such an opportunity, isn't it? Yes, uh, and I've really noticed, especially on my website, which is mostly plant-based, so plant article-based. I don't sell the plants, but I do sell the potting mixes and one-to-one calls. A bit like this, but obviously one-to-one. And I noticed after the uh, well, during the pandemic, it it skyrocketed. So especially over winter, whilst we're mm. all cooped up with a little um, throws and blankets, watching Coronation Street and whatever, <laughs> it's nice having a few bits of greenery. <laughs> If we're going to start off with houseplants and we don't know a great deal about them, give us some some pointers. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so the first thing is location is critical. Now, if you don't have a proper location for the houseplant, it'll be a lot more difficult to look after. If you manage to find a plant that suits your location, I'll explain in a minute where would be best for each plant, then the tolerance to underwatering and lack of feeding is and lack of humidity is always um, downplayed by the plant it can deal with those issues much better than a house plant that you know for example a spider plant or an aloe vera that does like a little bit more light maybe a windowsill like something behind me you end up putting it in a very dark area you you have to be a very good house plant grower in order for that to thrive in such dark areas now dark you know, low light, dark areas is anything more than three metres away from a window. Because, of course, the natural light will hit hit the room diagonal downwards. Now, if you have the plant within two metres, that's perfect. Because, of course, the natural light will penetrate the leaves. Anything further back, then the plant will have to lean its phototropism uh, into the light in order to capture it. Now, there's some plants which cannot do that. Uh, fiddle fig leaves are quite good. Uh, Amaryllis sometimes can do that. They, they can bend the leaves and snap the two in too dark of a location. But the best plants to have in those dark areas is plants with pretty much horizontal leaves. So cheese plants, uh, umbrella trees, what else? Snake plants as well. So this is on the window and the light is all the way over here. This is about three metres back. But this is a type, it's in the cheese plant family. It's a mini monstera. These leaves, they are a vine, so they actually can manoeuvre themselves any way they want. Mm. If you get plants, I'll just make sure it doesn't fall, fall. There we go. If you get plants that have horizontal leaves further than three metres back, that is perfect because you can grow those there. Now, pretty much that's all you need to know about location and light. Temperature isn't much of an issue as long as it's above 14, 15 degrees, uh, which is what, something like 60 Fahrenheit. Anything, yeah. anything above that, totally fine. And humidity is another final tip, Caden. A lot of plants will be totally fine for humidity. They can have browning leaf tips, uh, but most of the time that is to do with the age of that individual leaf. Of course, nothing lasts forever. That leaf will serve its purpose over a year, two years. And as it photosynthesizes every day, it will show signs of age eventually. Uh, if you do feel that there is humidity issues and all of the leaf is starting to crisp, but not though, not just the little leaf tips, then get a little pebble tray. That's just a plastic saucer, an old bowl, an old plate if you've got them lying around. Get some marbles or some pebbles or stones, anything that doesn't absorb moisture. 
then put them down on the little uh, gravel tray all the way to the top fill the water three quarters and then put the plant on top and that creates like a little pocket of humidity for you can we just mention one of the most popular plants at the moment and that's yes. the phalaenopsis hybrids yes. they are phenomenal plants i mean you get one and it can be flowering six months and then yeah very often if you cut it back to a bud when it's finished the bud will grow again you'll either yes. get a new plant or you'll get a new flower I mean, they can be quite expensive, but um, really worth having, don't you think? Yes, definitely. And because I, I work at um, a little family-run garden centre every Monday and Tuesday, uh, I've just actually ordered a load of new orchids, and the orchids that didn't sell, I've pruned them back to that last non-flowering node, so yes. they could branch back. It's a bit like pruning a tree, like an ace or something. They will uh, branch back out. The difference between a flowered or spent node and an unspent node, so an unflowered node, is if you look at the actual flower spike, if there isn't a you know a golden or a brown mark where a flower used to be, that is unspent. And when when you'll see a little bud start to emerge, because on the, mm. there'll, there'll be little notches on the stem, it'll start to swell. Now, if it's pointed, it'll be if I need to get it the right way around. If it's pointed, <laughs> it'll be a flower spike, and if it's a rounded little in spite coming out then that's a baby orchid called a keiki which i think yeah. is a child in uh hawaiian or icelandic or one of the yeah very very strange language in a way um but yes yeah, so the little baby will grow one little leaf and then a bigger leaf and it'll start to produce little silver roots that you see in the actual pot yeah if you do that i would honestly leave it because they're quite rare they don't always occur so if you do have a little baby growing on the flower spike keep it there and honestly they will just keep growing and growing yeah can you just give a, a few tips on growing them because yeah. sometimes you see them in a very sunny window and uh, i always think they're going to fail there because um, you know a, a north window is wonderful isn't it because they don't mm -hmm. get any sun it's basically growing plants where they normally grow in the wild. That's what you're looking for, isn't it? Yeah, so the Phalaenopsis <laughs> orchid is from tropical Asia, so Cambodia, Thailand, Philippines, yeah. Borneo, and they are epiphytes. So most of the time, there's different types of orchid, but the um, the Phalaenopsis orchid, the supermarket garden centre orchid, is what's known as sympodial. Uh, no, monopodial, so it only grows in one fixed place so they'll, mm. they'll literally grow on the tree most likely through seed dispersal and then they'll start to grow leaves and those little silver roots will fuse onto the actual um, bark itself looks they look really really strange if you ever go to miami or anywhere close to the tropic of cancer or tropical capricorn you, people sometimes put them in the garden uh, i know miami i've seen lots of photos never been there but a lot of people put um the orchids in their trees in the garden and it looks amazing you see the flowers <laughs> they usually hang sideways instead of upwards they don't usually stake them out there they just let the flowers hang around but the first tip <clears throat> is only water the orchid whilst the roots are silver now whilst they're green it means they're sufficiently hydrated the best way to check the color is pick the, the orchid up i do have one over there but if i touch this camera it probably disappear again <laughs> uh, pick it out it should be in a transparent pot now look through that there should be bark and the roots if the roots are silver like a gray to silver then yeah. it's now time for a water whilst they're green don't do anything and the best thing to do is use lukewarm water some people use ice cubes it won't hurt the plant but the growth rate will drop 
and it will shock the plant stress it out and the more you stress mm. an orchid out they will lose the flowers a little quicker um, but if you do have an orchid which hasn't flowered in ages because it's stubborn then you need to show it you know who's boss now the best thing to do it sounds odd but put it in especially at this time of year a south facing window a little bit of sun of course in summer you don't want to do it but now whilst the temperatures are low keep it in a south facing window the sunlight and the natural temperature which peaks in the day and obviously gets colder at night what that will do is it will seasonize the plant and also it can stress the plant out especially as we go back into spring and summer the natural light intensity will increase the plant will get a bit more stress and will think, oh, I actually need to reproduce. Of course, that's what the flowers are there for. It's to pass the genes on to the next generation. The other tip that you can do is keep the, um, the roots on the, the orchid silver for about a week or two. So really do underwater it. Only water it once the, um, the actual leaf ever so slightly starts to wrinkle. When Not it's screaming much. for help. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you hear the screaming, that's double points. But hopefully it won't scream too often. That's the best thing. That stress factor is fantastic. And, of course, if you do have the flower, cut the flower spike by half, if not three quarters, <laughs> and just wait a while. Feed it with an orchid feed because it has nitrogen. Weirdly enough, a lot of flowering plant foods have more potassium, like tomato feed. But orchids actually respond better to nitrogen yeah. whilst flowering. I don't know why, because nitrogen is <laughs> more for foliage. But anyway, give it an orchid feed whilst you've just got that naked stem of nothingness, and that will really stimulate faster uh, flowering uh, periods. Still Joe, I noticed that I noticed that the leaves are very shiny. Do you give them a good wipe, or do you yes. use a spray? When I wash my hands, instead of drying my hands, what I do is I just wash the leaves slowly. Oh, right. so, yeah, washing the leaves it takes <laughs> about a year to do because I do one leaf at a time. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's great because you don't realise you've done it. You don't spend all day. Um, but yes, it's sometimes the dust drives me mad. The best way to get over that, instead of using leaf shine or milk, some people use watery milk, is when I go up for a shower, I actually share the shower with one of the plants. So each time I nominate which plant goes in, as long as it's not too big, so I need to have a shower myself. Yeah. And it is, it is actually very good. It's, it's, it's comical, but it's true. If you've got a plant that needs watering, looks a bit dusty, literally go into the shower and wash the leaves and water yeah. at the same time and it will get it will make the plant so much shinier and it is funny as well just don't tell your partner now yeah. this plant is a christmas cactus and it's about 50 years old so it, it is basically wow. a family heirloom and again if you ever want a plant that you can put on a windowsill or near to the light and you want a plant that you can actually uh, give people either get a money tree which is also known as a jade plant or a christmas cacti because both of them will last a good 40 50 years in the well, right I, i've just in fact um i've just put a, a question oh. up, uh, or a, a comment up uh, from mary porter one of our regulars um she says i have a cactus 58 years old uh, a cheese plant, cheese which plant, is 42, 42 years old. Uh, a spider plant from the original, 42 years. Uh, winter cherry, 38 years, etc., etc. I like to stick to the easy care ones. Wow. Uh, and she says she thought that plant you held up was uh, Gonzo from the Muppets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> oh, there. But yeah, no, houseplants, if you look after them, and one of the best tips is to keep them pot bound. People always say repot, repot, repot. The best thing to do is repot them every three years, sometimes even four. Cacti don't need repotting for about five plus years. Uh, that, mm. You know, the um, Christmas uh, cactus plant that I just yeah. showed you, that one had only been repotted once in over 20 years. 
Wow. Totally fine. Uh, the tip is, if you keep the plant pot bound, the, the, the roots will keep circulating and it'll interact, the root system, uh, interact with the soil for longer. And when you water it, because there's a lot of roots and not as much soil ratio wise, when you water it, all the roots, individual root hairs will fight over the moisture and the risk of overwatering and also anaerobic soil conditions, which means there's no oxygen uh, limits. Because when you water a soil, especially if it's in a very dark area, the light doesn't hit the soil, then the soil will stay very moist for a long time and the oxygen works its way out of the potting mix at the top, a bit like bubbles in the ocean. So if you wow. keep the the plant pot bound, whatever it is, keep them pot bound, they will obviously circulate the pot and dry out much quicker. And the other tip is to feed them. Um, I, weirdly enough, and I'm not someone who goes for organic this, organic that, but I do use an organic houseplant feed because it has liquid seaweed, which has um, also, it also has the um, nutrients, but it has plant hormones and auxins, which um, any, what's known as mineral um, feeds, which are from the ground through rocks. So like the normal miracle grow, the normal baby bio. If mm. it doesn't have organic, it's part of, you know, from the rocks. Um, in the ground all over the world in all now they're good because they have all of the nutrients mm. but i also <laughs> use the organic feed because it has natural pl plant hormones and i switched at the start of this year and the growth was absolutely phenomenal on all types Ooh, of plants not just foliage plants but flowering <laughs> plants as well so yeah have a go at an organic feed it's it'll either be called an organic feed or um, something which says seaweed anything that says seaweed on it will have those little um, hormones and auxins obviously you mentioned the roots and everything what about mm. compost pots i like growing things in clay pots yes it's just something. Um, when I was an apprentice, it was John in his and yeah. clay pots. The good old pasture, <laughs> the good old pasture soil. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, so so how you want to grow the plant depends on what you want to do. Now, um, what the nurseries um, and garden centres want is they grow them in the plastic pots, which are called nursery insert pots. It's a mouthful, so just call them plastic pots. It's much easier. Um, but they grow them in those, A, because it's easy and also free drainage but then of mm. course they do want you to buy those nice decorative pots from ivy line or water drinker um, or schlerick as well so that's totally fine you can grow them like that that's quite a traditional way in terms of garden centers but you can grow them in clay pots like the terracotta terracotta is very good especially if you've just repotted a plant because if you think about it you've got a little baby root ball about you know this wide you put it in a pot which is twice as wide obviously i'm exaggerating but Mm. it works you've got a nice band of soil between the root ball and the inside of the pot which is just soil because of course you always put soil around the edge of the roots and underneath mm. now if you put if you overpot the plant and the pot's too big now what sometimes happens is the soil stays too moist for a long time mm. it can becomes anaerobic especially with cacti they will not want to touch that part of the soil and they'll just keep rooting around where the roots already growing not into the new soil <laughs> The clay pot, they're very stubborn, but the clay pots are very good because they can swell and absorb the moisture yes, as well. Exactly. So it's a good balance. The only bad things about clay pots is if you have them in direct sun, because they heat up very quickly, they can burn the roots on the, on the inside, you know, the inside roots. Uh, it's not the end of the world, but that sometimes can happen. Mm. And also just make sure you have some sort of um, saucer or bowl or um, a ceramic 
um, saucer on the windowsill or anything wooden because they can sweat. Apart from that, they are really, really good. And I have got a section upstairs. Uh, I don't think there's a photo, but I can always send it to you for the Facebook group where I have a nice little um, terracotta windowsill where all of the plants are just terracotta. I did almost convert all of the plants, plants into terracotta, but I thought my wallet probably won't like that. And I've already got <laughs> hundreds of ceramic pots anyway, so I don't want to you know, put the attic full of um, ceramic pots. <laughs> but they're great. Terracotta are fantastic. Have you got a favourite flower, Joe? A uh, favourite house plant, Joe, or do you just love them all? No, I love them all, but I do like the the Christmas cactus because it's so old. Yes. Uh, what else? I do love. <clears throat> I've got one here. I've got a big one upstairs, but I keep propagating because it keeps growing out of control. Uh, the good old oxalis. Oxalis, yeah. Mm. Now, if anyone doesn't know what these are and they think they're going to kill a plant, get these. They're basically an alpine plant. They grow in very rocky hillsides think it's in america uh, in south america but on the high hills quite high altitudes now these have little tubers orange finger-like tubers so if you do underwater them it's like a bulb it'll hold the moisture the leaves might die off but they will come back but these are fantastic because they're nictinastic very weird funky word what it means is all the leaves point down into a mushroom shape at night and they open up in the day. Uh, if you Google false shamrock plant and go onto YouTube or watch a video, you'll see them open and shut during the day and night. And they're not just a gimmick. I've had mine for five years and you can make lots of cuttings and they're just beautiful. You know, how many houseplants are dark purple? Not many. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. As well. See, when you say oxalis, I'm thinking of a really invasive weed in, yes. in the garden. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's the same, same family. family. <laughs> Same family, okay. but I think the ones which grow are invasive, they're rhizometers, so they, they're a bit like bamboo. They hide, and they, you can hear them laughing in the ground as they're poking up here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> These are tuberous, so it's a bit like almost like a daffodil bulb. They kind of clump next yes. to each other instead of growing little roots and then a whole stem. They are more clumping. And they last for years. They're one of the most expensive uh, weeds to have in your garden, I've yeah. discovered, because I've worn through so many knee patches on my Levi <laughs> jeans, having to crouch down and get the damn things out. You know, uh, the thing you need to do, we have a, a Romanian rescue dog. He wheezes on the do- on the plants and it kills them outright. So if you ever if you have a dog, get yeah, a I think Romanian the neighbours might have something dog. to say about that. Yeah, let it wee on any weed that you want, and it's it's a very good natural weed killer. Just don't let it wee on lawns because you'll end up with spots, which is Thank disastrous. You. One thing I've, as we're coming into winter, Joe, B and Q and a lot of the garden centres now have got lots and lots of house plants. Yes, just a little bit on, you know, if it's a very cold day. Um, you know, you don't want to be taking them, buying one, putting it in the car, it freezes all day, and then mm-hmm. you go home at night. So just a little bit about acquiring plants in winter, particularly. Yes. Yeah, so basically, poinsettias is obviously a very good example. As soon as they look outside, <laughs> anything below five degrees outside and the poinsettia sees that, it'll lose the leaves. Yeah. Uh, there's some t- uh, tips and tricks. The best thing to do is just make sure that the car is slightly warm. And as soon as you get home, bring it indoors. One yeah. of the best places to have a, um, the car, uh, the plant, is put it in um, the footwell of the car in the back. Because, of course, if you put it in the boot, it's very closed. You know, you don't heat the boot up. You only heat the rear window. So it will never mm. get warm in there. Mm. Um, if it's in a heat wave, put the plants in the boot and take them home because they don't dry out. But in winter, put them in the back seat 
on the footwell. Um, if there's a few ways you can actually strap a car and bring it home, some funny tips as well. As, as you know, I'm quite a funny guy, so there's one coming. Uh, what you can do is if you, if you, if you have little plants, <laughs> if you have old boots or old um, shoes, just put the plants in where your feet would be in the soles and put them on the ground. Another tip is if you have a bigger plant, move the seat in the front. Uh, on the passenger side all the way to the front and then put the uh, big plant in the back on the footwell standing up and then push that front seat back until it wedges yeah. the front. fantastic way and the other trick is if you have an electric car like me and you have to carry the five thousand meter long um cable around <laughs> wrap the cable around the pot because it, they're very heavy if you have an electric car the wire is very heavy very very thick and it will stop the plant from uh, rattling around. So it's it's it is there is quite a good little tip I found if you do have a hybrid or an electric car, <laughs> wrap it around. <laughs> I, I've got a question for you here. This this okay. one. So this is from Brian Denton. Uh, he says it's a Stefano. Well, you'll know what it yes. is. Stefano, which I put outside until the end of September, where it mm. thrived. Since bringing it in, it's lost a couple of leaves and others are starting to turn yellow. What would you advise? Um, yeah, so Stephanotis are from Madagascar, which I'm trying to think which way. I think it's the, the this makes no sense to anyone else, but I think it's the east coast of Madagascar because it's split in half. There's a desert part and a tropical side. Um, they do like a lot of warmth. So I think what may have just happened is there may have been a slightly cooler night where it was about 10 degrees. It hasn't killed the plant, but it's just gone, oh, my goodness, we don't get this in Madagascar. So the, And you've see, then brought it inside. It's just had a bit of environmental shock. It's not the end of the world. Uh, what I would do is definitely feed it. Now, you can use an organic feed or any feed. As long as you give it a good feed, what that will do is it will just get some nutrients back into the leaves. Mm. Now, if the plant is actively growing at the top of the plant, um, what I would do is I would cut it, just pinch it off a bit like, you know, pinching um, whatever, um, mm. like, you know, basil or what whatnot, so it branches out. Do that, just pinch it out. It should be very soft growth. That will, of course, stop the apical dominance. All that hormones, all that energy that's now just been basically decapitated can be sent back down to the plant and it should help hold on to the older leaves. Um, the only other thing that you can also do is just make sure you have it on a window still with a bit of morning sun, so an east-facing window, because it's gone from outside, which is quite bright. Even a shady area outside is brighter than most indoor settings. Mm -hmm. And just make sure it's getting the photosynthetic energy. So all that nice sunlight and uh, indirect light that will just keep the plant ticking over and it will just get the hormones going in the plant. That's the best thing to do. Um, okay. I don't think there's anything else. Doubt it would be any pests. The only pests that really go for Stephanotis are mealybugs, but you mm. will see that because of the white cottony webs. Right, I'm going to let you finish. Uh, I think people will, will appreciate this. What are your absolute do-not-dos uh, with uh, houseplants? Some some really good things to try and avoid doing. Okay. Uh, um, so the first thing to do is make sure it's, it's tepid, lukewarm water. You know, the roots will be shocked in cold temperatures. The growth rate drops and the plant can become slightly weakened. You know, if we had a shower in cold water every time, we'd be pretty angry by the end of the week. So make sure uh, the best way to think about it is if it's too cold for your fingers, too cold for the roots. So if you put your finger in and it's slightly Absolutely. cold or cool, totally fine. But make sure it's not chilly. Um, make sure you feed it. Some people don't feed the houseplants over winter. That is fine if they get a good amount of light. So if they're within about two metres 
of the windowsill. Uh, if it's if you want to go for an A star instead of an A, then the best thing to do is just feed it every third or fourth water. So three normal waters, and on the fourth water, mix a little bit of feed in, whether it's baby bio, Westland, gross technology. You can use outdoor feed alongside you half the, what the recommended strength is. So if it's one drop per milliliter, one drop per litre, half a drop per litre, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, another good thing is only check the weight of the pot when it needs to be watered. You know, if it's in a plastic nursery, insert pot like this, all mm. you want to do is pick it up and feel the weight of the pot. It doesn't have to be 800 grams or anything specific. If mm. it feels a bit top heavy, so the plant's a bit heavier than the pot and it feels quite light when lifted, give it a nice good water and give it a good drench. Um, Keep watering it equally around the soil and only stop once it drains over the drainage holes. You know, you can let it drain over the sink or outside. But whilst the pot is heavy and the root system and the soil looks dark and it looks quite moist, you can put your finger into the soil, leave it. It's always better to underwater house plants, especially at this time of year, than overdo it. Because if you vote underwater the plant, the leaves will curl over, the plant will stop photosynthesizing you know capturing the light because what it does is you know as the moisture draws up through the roots it'll come out through the leaves and that's the byproduct uh, that can stop if it's underwatered but if a plant is overwatered the soil is soggy it's standing water the plant can't you know crawl out the soil you know sunbathe on the radiator for an hour to dry off and then climb back into the pot it has to be on the dry side now that's two really good tips feeding make sure the location is right and the watering is important if you've got any plants which have quite thin t leaf tissue so really thin leaves so prayer plants uh, calatheas uh, what else peace lilies as well now those plants can get leaf uh, the browning leaf tips uh, will brown yeah. over what they're called drip tips really another fancy word uh, for you john to remember <laughs> um, a drip tip so a lot of plants in the wild uh, a drip tip in the wild, as it rains, all the rain will drip down that little um, leaf and, of course, will go to the tip, which is why it's called, it's called a drip tip. But the thing is, of course, there's a lot of water always at this tip. So, of course, it's staying hydrated, whereas inside it's always on the drier side. And those little leaf tips, because they're so far away from the main actual petiole or the stem, that's where the least amount of moisture is. It's a bit like our fingers in terms of coldness. It's always one of the coldest parts of our bodies because it's quite far away from the main body in, your, in our chest kind of thing. And it's the same, same for the plant. So if you have any thin leaf tissues and you can almost see the shadow of your finger when you raise it to the light means it's a, a thin leaf then just get a little pebble tray or take it into the shower you know sharing is caring saves a bit of water <laughs> and it's nice and warm so the plant will appreciate it okay two questions uh from from the amateur at this end of the the line um okay. rainwater or tap water if you've got the choice does it matter um so tap, uh, rainwater is definitely best, as long as you've stored it and collected it well, so there's no mosquito larvae. I've had that done to me before, um, and I thought, oh, what are these wiggly worms in the water? Watered it into the plant and then decided that a mosquito farm in your bedroom isn't the best look. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, as long as there's no issues of uh, bugs, fantastic. Some people use pond water, and again, as long as there's good water circulation, it's been filtered, it's not just a static pond. You can yeah. use pond water. Uh, if you don't have access to that, um, then what I would do is get cold water from the tap, put it in a plastic bottle. So if you have a bottle of water or a bottle of fizzy pop, don't get rid of the bottle and just fill it up with cold water to the top. 
and leave it in a cabinet on the work surface just leave it for 28 to 48 hours what it will do is it will settle um, the chlorine most likely actually uh, evaporate the chlorine it'll settle the chlorine and it'll also ease the water temperature to lukewarm to room temperature mm. and of course mm. then doesn't chop the plants so that's yeah. it's up to you but rainwater of course is the best and and the other question uh, is, and it's, I suppose this addresses your dry tip, uh, misting, a good thing, bad yeah. thing. Yeah, no, misting's fantastic. Uh, if you can't put the plant into the um, shower because you don't want to share the shower with the plant <laughs> or you don't have the time, uh, then the Or your partner doesn't want you to share it with the Well, shower. no, exactly. They <laughs> uh, don't want soil in the, in the shower. Um, but misting's fantastic because you are physically saturating. The, you are replicating the jungle conditions you know water you want to miss it until the water starts dripping from the leaves the best place to do it is outside or in the shower or somewhere where the water won't go on the window and stain it with a little watermark or on the <laughs> on the windowsill but oh, giving fair. a really good a mist once a week twice a week three times a week even every day if you want to mist mist it really well only until it starts dripping uh, on the leaves you stop because that will really hydrate the plant and it will wash the dust away so it'll get more light capturing into the leaves as well it's a double whammy a question here from frank is it right that lead light is the closest to natural light and better for plants yeah so you can grow led grow lights basically they're very good because they don't have any heat source they're very um not fuel efficient but electric you know, electricity efficient. And if you have the plant within about 20 to 30 centimetres of where that light is, it's fantastic. Now, of course, the bigger the bulb, the further away you want. But if it's the strips, which you can get on Amazon online really cheaply, then about 30 centimetres. Um, I have rare orchids, um, some, uh, what else do I have? I've got some like little peace lilies and little baby cuttings. Now they do really well and they actually stimulate flowers as well because they have the full spectrum. You can get the ones which I think they're called, is it goose neck, goose pipes, where you bend them and they creak, but then they hold the the the, the bend that you want. So you can always put them on the, on a little table and bend them in the way you want. So yeah, and herbs do really well. So you get really nice, tasty basil. So if you have any like pizzas that you want to do over winter, get a little basil, <laughs> and get LED light, and you know, job done. Brilliant! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's been amazing. I mean, that's just oh. absolutely whizzed by, and uh, know, so, but you've, you've broken the record for the for the uh, the uh, duration of our Lavender Garden Live. Absolutely, but it didn't feel long, which is a good sign. No. Just uh, yes. oh, good, amazing, <laughs> amazing, Excellent. really, really interesting. Well done, Thank Joe. you so much. Okay. Um, you've given me a lot of editing to do, but I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. For our podcast that's fine it's fine it's good oh. it's all good just tell people about your website joe um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah so ukhouseplants.com so the uk house plants is all one word and then dot com uh, so i've got about 260 articles on there all about house plants so everything i've mentioned is on there i do it in a slightly different way than other house plant um websites where they have an article on how to repot a spider plant another article on how to flower a spider plant how to water it's all one article so if you want to learn about a cheese plant you you know you type in cheese plant or you go down until you find a monstera and you go on it and each article it is about five thousand words long it's a very long article but they're all standardized so at the top is always top tips so eight points 
very quick in a casual houseplant grower can read them in a minute and they know enough of enough information to grow them you then scroll down and each article every plant i've done it goes watering feeding humidity and light there that that for and then the next section is common issues. So all the issues that I've come across that I've heard people at garden centres that come to me, all the one to one calls that I can do. And people say, oh, I've left my plant um, in, you know, in a kettle whilst it's boil boiling and now the plants are wilting. What do I do? Kind of thing. <laughs> um, I've learned from that. So, yeah, there's common issues. And then underneath, it's the final section that has history on the plant. Where does it come from? What what botanist um described it whether it was Carl Linnaeus or Jean Baptiste or whatever um, and then at the end it's all sorts like toxicity whether it's to toxic for pets or you know children and how to repot it and what soil to mix with so every article it's the same standard you know, well, that format. sounds like a, a must go-to site if, yeah um, oh, if you want to know anything at but all also, about houseplants the final bit is i do do one-to-one -one calls so if you have that plan and you're googling and you don't know what's wrong with it it's been very angry it's hissing at you when you go near it it's yellowing <laughs> the leaves uh, you can go to my website and just there's a bit which says call the houseplant doctor click on that or scroll down and you can book a five you know a 10 minute call for five pounds and i'll tell you exactly what to do whether to repot it or just That's a, a great um, service no. and yeah and then i'd also sell potting mixes so you know a nice a five six litre bat batch is 12 pounds free delivery go straight to your door and i also email you some really good top tips on repotting as well so yeah i've got the soil the um call the house plant doctor if there's an emergency <laughs> and then all the articles so yeah hopefully, brilliant and um, hopefully people will be able to use it because it's uh, <laughs> really it's a good website because i've learned what websites i like and i've tried to do yeah. that for the house plant industry all over the world and yeah i've had i think three million hits i think i checked a wow. few days ago, three million so yes it's, it's really good <laughs> all over the world singapore is the third most visited country on there i think it's a city country so they can't really have much of a garden but yeah <laughs> singapore uk usa and singapore's the top three most you know uh, visited country on the website well we've got uh, quite a few uh, usa watchers uh, yes. and, and members on the site so uh, that, that they might well be interested in that yeah. too, Joe. oh brilliant uh, thank you and uh, in fact um, next week uh, we have uh, a an american lady coming on all the way from california uh, oh i'm sorry i don't know why i did that and um, i don't she's <laughs> and uh, She's going to talk about um, plants and aromatherapy and all that sort of stuff, and, and the, the, the things you can get from from plants, particularly with fragrances, etc. So um, that should be good. Uh, so yeah, we, we we get into winter, we, we try and find you know lots of different things we can chat about. But Joe, that was absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank, thank you so Jay. much. Oh, Joe, lovely to see you. Take care. Fabulous. Okay. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye. <laughs> there he goes. John, lovely to see you again. Take care, everybody. Okay. I just want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lang Decorators. And uh, for a free quote, any advice on any uh, decorating projects you're thinking of 
of doing for the new year or perhaps before Christmas. If you go to their Facebook group, it's Fitzgerald Lane. That's L-A-I-N-G Decorators. And they'll give you a free quote and free advice and all the rest of it. And uh, if you're listening on our podcast, uh, please do subscribe. Tell your gardening friends about us and check out our Loving Your Garden Facebook group and be inspired by our friendly Mm. and knowledgeable members. All right. Thank you very much indeed for your time. We'll see you soon. Cheers. All the rest, folks. Bye. Bye.